Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. I'm your host, Megan Scherer, and I'm super excited to welcome you back for day three of our very special series on the show, all about breast implant illness and women who've chosen to get their implants removed. Today's guest is a really special special friend of mine who is here to share her story with all of you. Tamara Day was a former college D1 soccer, soccer player turned bodybuilder who then got online to talk about topics that really mattered to her, like building self-esteem, overcoming traumas, evolving, and growing ourselves as women and humans. She is the founder of two online businesses, as well as a model, actor, and avid powerlifter. Her busy schedule years ago had her overlook some serious health issues that she never thought could be attributed to breast implants. In early 2019, divine intervention led her to get her breast implants removed, and now she is an advocate, speaking about the dangers of breast implants, as well as dissecting the current narrative around plastic surgery and the pervasive message in our society that women need to change, fix, and perfect their bodies. And today she's here to talk more with you about her personal journey and what she has learned along the way from getting implants to getting them removed and how she feels now. All right, welcome to the show, Tamara. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing amazing. I'm so glad to finally get on the phone or on the podcast with you. It's like Me too. Oh, I'm so excited to dive into this conversation and for you to share your story with people, which, you know, is so actually so common like so many women are experiencing issues like these but unfortunately it's not commonly talked about and that's why I'm so glad that you're you're using your story and your platform to make a difference out there for other women when it comes to breast implant illness and and the the cultural implications of plastic surgery these Mm -hmm. days and all that stuff (laughs) I just never it's so funny saying common like that is not a word I ever expected to have in the same sentence as my story right now because just literally seven months ago it was unknown to me you know Mm -hmm. like I could I didn't even couldn't fathom this was what was making me sick so now to say it's so common it's like it spreads like wildfire you know yeah Yeah, thank god for the internet for doing that and that's like one of the amazing things about uh, this platform that we have it is. And, you know, I've talked about this in the beginning of this breast implant illness series um, and, and uh, plastic surgery series, that mm-hmm. that was really what motivated me to to do these interviews and this series and really highlight it. Because when I wanted to get my implants removed, there weren't a lot of stories online and there weren't a lot of other women talking about what they were going through. And it was right. me, me hearing, like randomly coming across one woman's story that really helped give me the courage to to follow mm-hmm. through and, and actually get the surgery and get my questions answered. So thank I you for, for that being that was, for other women. Oh my gosh, of course. And I, I told you when we first spoke um, how amazing it was to me that you were able to find that when it wasn't so prevalent out there. Like it just mm-hmm. must have been a divine intervention that you saw 100%. this woman's story because I know for me it absolutely was, but it was there was already a a growing number of women on, you know, the Facebook group. And then, um, I had seen, I'm probably gonna butcher her name. I'm I'm sorry if she hears this, but, uh, Carissa Pukas, do you know who that is on YouTube? No, I don't think I've heard her story. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't even followed her, but I randomly had seen her, her YouTube. And that was when I knew cause our, our 
symptoms were so similar. And so just Mm -hmm. like you, I think, you know, as, as humans, and I don't know if you followed Dr. Joe Dispenza and I'm sure I'm going to use his name a lot (laughs) in this conversation because it's been a, a, integral part of my journey of healing and coming to understand myself and my higher self. But like he speaks about how like the human experience, like we as humans cannot see ourselves doing something until it's been done. And then when that bias is broken, like all of a sudden the floodgates open for people to get the permission to do amazing things. And um, it's like, he talks about the four minute mile, like it was never broken until somebody broke it. And then all of a sudden, like, by the tens, people were doing it, right? So it's like, I think the same thing goes with changing a narrative around um, the way people think about our bodies and about health, and especially when it comes to taking control of our own um, health journey and how we how we view that. Like, I don't know. I truly, I tell people this, like women who are thinking about doing it and, and unsure how it's going to turn out. Like, I can't swayed them one way or the other, because I don't even know if I'd have had the courage or the strength to do it without seeing other people go through it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it really does make make such a huge impact to have that sense of kind of security and, and trust in like, okay, yeah. this is a thing like that is Just possible. Just to even hear you're not crazy, it. right? Like, yeah, that's I'm not such crazy. a huge thing. Yeah. So okay, you have medical go... professionals, you know, saying like, oh yeah, saying you're like you're making this up. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the most discouraging. I feel like part of that journey. So before we we go down that route even farther, <laughs> I would love for you to just like share right. your story. Yeah, like let's like set the stage a little bit for everybody <laughs> who's listening, um, if they're not familiar with your story. So tell us uh, when you got your implants put in in the first place and what the decision making process looked like for that. Like why, mm-hmm. what motivated you to get them, um, and then maybe how long you had them in before you started experiencing symptoms. That in its entirety could be like a seven hour right, podcast. I know. Like, so I'm going to unpack it in like a <laughs> brief, not so in-depth statement because I'm sure we'll get deeper yeah, in other there's topics. There's a lot. So getting them um, was a probably not lifelong, but adolescent long experience of always feeling like I didn't look feminine enough for society's mm. standards. And I grew up in a very athletic environment and my... Um, abilities were always highlighted in my life, my athletic abilities. So when it came to becoming a woman and finding my space in the world, I definitely felt not a part of that because I was more muscular and lean and um, had very little breast tissue. So I knew uh, to myself, like as soon as I had the money, I was going to get them. So flash forward to... um, 2013, I'm doing bodybuilding shows, which I also never thought I would ever get into, but um, I'm in that world and you're constantly berated with this messaging of, if you want to make it to the top, um, you're going to need to be more air quotes symmetrical. And that meant having larger fake boobs. They really liked the like big, you know, cannon looking (laughs) things. And that's all I saw in magazines and um, on film when I watched bodybuilders. So you know, as a competitive athlete, you know, playing division one sports and varsity and just being extremely competitive by nature, I figured, well, that goes hand in hand. I need to make it to the top. I'm going to do this. So, um, as soon as, you know, I, I made good money with my spray tanning business and I hustled, I was always like working three jobs even through college. And so 
I, as soon as I could afford them, I got them. And it was almost now in retrospect, looking back almost immediate that I felt like it wasn't the answer to my issues. (laughs) You know, I felt, um, yep. That there was something off and I couldn't put my finger on it, but I hadn't done the real in-depth work yet. And so that led me on a journey of, um, getting out of the bodybuilding world and, and realizing that wasn't for me. And then now I'm left with, okay, this body that feels foreign and now I need to make feel my own. And the stuff I'm unpacking now in my journey, just, you know, at the age I'm at now, it's like, it's so interesting to me. I'm looking at the things that led up to even wanting to alter my body in that way and the, the necessity to, and looking back at, I had um, childhood traumas. I was molested at a young age and I feel like it's, it slowly chipped away at who my, what my identity was as a woman, as a human on this planet and what my worth was. And it was almost non-existent when I got them looking back. And I spent the next three years after getting them or sorry, six years after getting them of really trying to build my physicality to be something that nobody could pick apart anymore. No one could abuse. No one could say I wasn't, I was weak or I wasn't capable. And so I built up this almost like superwoman persona, having muscles and, and I was feminine. And I truly believed I had come to this place where this pinnacle of like, in the bodybuilding world and in the online sphere, like made myself into who I needed to be to show women they could be whatever they wanted to be. And I was sold on that dream. (laughs) And then getting sick and having to take them out of my body and reassess who I was as, as a woman and as a human being, like has thrown me into such a new and amazing I don't even want to say chapter. I think it's like for the rest of my life, I will be doing this work of like trying to understand and getting a better grasp of like what it means to be a woman, what it means to be feminine and to really have that divine power that it isn't in our physicality. And I think both you and I have gone through like similar journeys in what we've talked about and like where it's brought us now and kind of the whole rebrand of our ourselves, if you will. And like how amazing that is, you know, like it's just... I never yeah, thought it's I'd almost be in like this position. the before and the after. It's and not, they're so like different, right? They're not like societies before and after. Like people right. want to see the transformation. Oh, what did you look like before you were lifting weights and before you got into this amazing shape? And I look at my life as like that was the Tamra who was really scared and really just like everyone stay away from me. Even though I was asking people to come into my world, I was also like pushing them so far away so they couldn't see my vulnerabilities. And I always tell people like that I work with, like I was very selectively vulnerable, like in a way where people think I let them in and I thought I was letting people in, but it was, I was doing it in such a controlled manner where like, God forbid, they really saw my quote unquote brokenness or my inability to show my weaknesses. And because I didn't see those as strengths, I didn't see those as anything anyone would really want because it was like, who would want to be around that, you know? Um, I had all these negative messages um, surrounding um, myself, um, anything, anything that was not affiliated with aesthetics or physicality, things I could control. Yeah. And I mean, I love that you say that because that just, for me, kind of reminds me of how the having implants in felt like an actual physical barrier to vulnerability as well. It's Mm, like mm -hmm. you, you literally have these things in 
in front of your heart space on top of your chest yeah. that are a barrier between you and other people. And that was something that I started to become really aware of, like when I would hug people when yeah. I have them in, like there's something between me and this person and it's so uncomfortable. But yeah, to your point, like it, it can act as a barrier for people who are subconsciously trying to keep people away and, and put up walls. Yeah. And when, I mean, when women come to me now and girls, I, I should say, because they're so young and in this process is like, it breaks my heart, but I also know this is why I want to continue speaking about it. Even on at times when I'm like, I'm over it. Like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But why Done I feel with that. The, the pull mm-hmm. to keep speaking about it is because the, the, what keeps coming up for them and what keeps coming to me is like, but I'm scared of what I'm going to look like after. I don't want yes. to, to be different. I don't want to be looked at like this, but I've had kids, but I've this, but I've that, but I've gotten used to this. Will he still love me? Will I be able to keep, and like, I can't answer all of them, right? Because I don't have the answers. I don't even have the answers for my own life. None of us do. That's the beauty and the glory and the magic of it all. But it's getting down to the the source of like, why or your I guess your why and what is most important to you and like you all I can do is educate and tell my story and it's like when it's their time to see it they will and you can only pray that it's not when they're deathly sick like some of us but like that it's just this new conversation around it and I think Mm -hmm. that's what's happening with social media and why Megan doing the work that you do and the the conversations I do is so critical is like if we stop talking about it it dies and then the movement stops so like we have momentum growing not just around breast implant illness because I think it's great people need a name around it they that's how their brains compartmentalize things is like having a name and having it seem like a thing but you and I both know this is a far larger conversation surrounding the plastic surgery industry and around the the narrative we use in social media and on tv of like things will be better you will have more things you will be more effective more successful if we can just slightly change alter beautify perfect like these words of the advertising world has become so good at like covering and using in in inconspicuous ways and some not so conspicuous because now it's just so normalized is that like you say these words like oh I'm just getting this some we're just getting that I'm just a little tweak right. here and just a little tweak here and that becomes so normal and I'll be the first one to say I was a victim of that I totally felt like if I just fix a little part of this for me and just it's not a total this I'm just getting this done like I will just feel that much better about myself. Thus, I will be able to do more things and I will be able to affect more change. And like, these were the stories I told myself because Mm -hmm. I was under that umbrella of like, and men aren't aren't told this stuff. Like we are just in this like whirlwind of, of constant barrage of messages and images telling us, we just need that slight edge to get us where we need to go or to get the man or to get the job or to get the, um, you're right. See you a certain way. And it's been an unlearning and an unprocessing that has 
taken me for a wild ass ride because there are times when I'm like, I'm through that. And then something triggers me and I'm like, holy crap. Like I didn't even realize that had been affecting me so much or I had been, um, you know, like you start to not get on your high horse, but you start to think, you know, a lot of things about a certain topic or you're Mm -hmm. feeling like you've broken through one of the uh, barriers that has kept you thinking a certain way. And then here's another one because that's the layers and the years at which this has been happening. It's just happening at a grander and faster scale because of social media. And that's why we have to keep doing this work. And that's why I keep doing it myself because it's like, I'm healing and learning as I continue to talk about it, you know? Oh yeah. Like sharing your story and your journey is such an important part of the healing process as well to really shed light on those parts of you that, that needed love and healing for making the decisions in the first place. And the part of you that needs to know that it's okay. And, you know, I really love what you shared too about like this really pervasive common messaging in our society that, yeah, women, like you just need like a little lift here or a little Botox mm-hmm. there or a little filler there. And oh, let's not even get into like how we view aging. Like that's right. the thing I'm unpacking because it's happening. Yeah, that's a whole nother. Yeah. yeah. But um, that was some languaging that was actually really frustrating for me when it came to getting um, implants removed. And yeah, you know, I was, I guess, quote unquote, fortunate in that I didn't have my implants in for a super long time. I had them for about two years. Oh yeah. Then, I say, mine was six, but it's still yeah, relatively, relatively um, yeah. short when you talk about women who have had them in for 20 mm-hmm. something years. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was still very young in my early twenties and right. didn't get like massive implants to begin with. So my, there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of like mm-hmm. stretching that happened with my natural breast tissue in my skin. So for me, like there wasn't really a conversation around having a lift done, but I feel like that is such That's been difficult for me too, girl, because how am I supposed to tell them it's going to be okay when I didn't have to go through that part about it? But I feel for them because I know what it can mean. I don't, you don't have kids, right? No, I don't have kids. Like neither one of us don't know what happens to our breasts after that. And I know the common theme is they sag and that they're deflated. And Mm -hmm. it's, to me, it breaks my heart because on one, on one side, like we're diminished to our aesthetics after doing something so majestic, (laughs) breastfeeding children and like giving life to something. And like, why don't we look at it like that? And I hope to get that way before I have kids so that my mind is prepared for the changes. And yeah, and that is exactly like the languaging that was really starting to frustrate me, whether you've had kids or not, or you've just, you had your implants in for a long time, or maybe mm-hmm. got a, a much larger size and there was more stretching going right, on, right. Um, or you've had weight gain and loss and like yeah. your skin changes. There is this language around, oh, you'll need a lift. It's not even like a question. It's like, you will need one. Yeah. And women assume that that's why do we even say need like that's what i'm saying around the word need because the definition of need is like probably you won't be okay or your death or severe injury right it's like saying like you will not be okay if you don't get a list like you can't just accept your body for what it's doing you can't just be all right with where you're at and maybe even Learn to love Learn and to appreciate love it. And that's where you're where we're at. at as a society is like when we use language that is so strong and it's mm-hmm. so ingrained in us about what is needed, what is a necessity, what is versus like 
like I have girls that, I mean, I, we spoke a little bit about this and, um, you know, being a part of the bodybuilding community and, you know, a majority of girls have breast implants. So those become kind of the women you associate with and those have become my friends over the years. And I have a very small group of friends now, but like the people that I have acquaintances with when I was going through this process, it was extremely difficult to have these conversations. And in fact, I felt myself pulling away because I didn't want to feel like I was putting it on them to have to hold a mirror to them right. because most of them had this immediate response of, Oh, but Tamara, you don't understand. Like I need these, like these right. are a part of me. Um, yes. they, I can't imagine what my body would look like after. Oh my God. I went huge. Oh my God. Mine were deformed before I had uh, what is it called when you have that, um, you don't have the split between them. That's like, I don't want to use the word uniboob. There's a medical term for it. Oh but, yeah. Um, I know what you're talking about. So like yeah, all yeah. these things that we're told aren't normal about our breasts. And in fact, so that we have to alter them to make them normal. And it's like that when you use words like normal, then you, then you use words like have to and need right. to, right? Because we're taught that you have to be normal to fit in. And I think at the end of the day, people just want to fit in. They just want to mm -hmm. feel a part of, and it becomes this, like, we're so afraid to stand away from the, the norm and to, you know, use this, um, this conversation to be like, I'm going to be okay. Like no matter how I look and it just, people just don't want to be alone. Like, and that's yeah. the, the ultimate that's why I'm like, it's really, it's laughable to me right now because I'm like having this epiphany of like why we do anything to change ourselves. It's like, we just want to feel loved by somebody. Right. And ultimately like that love from our needs to come from ourselves first. But like, how do we even find that in a world that's telling us not to? It's and so difficult. Those standards of what is normal, quote unquote, yeah. or beautiful, those are all so subjective and arbitrary anyways. Like mm -hmm. when we really take the time to step back and be like, okay, who decided what a normal breast right. is supposed to and look like? And they change, man. Exactly. If we look back at like timelines, they, yep. and now with social media, times change so, fads change so quickly. It's like bell bottoms will be in one day and small tits will be in the next. It's like, exactly. There's no, there's no way to even like forecast how it's going to be. One person's going to become famous and they're going to have nothing but a nipple. And so everyone's going to be like, Oh my God, that's brilliant and amazing. So it's like, <laughs> why can't we be the ones to, to showcase that? And I think social media does a, a, a wonderful job of like allowing everyone to be their own kind of like quote unquote celebrity, if you will, for, for the masses to see what can be deemed beautiful, but it takes a freaking movement. It takes mm -hmm. an effort that is like, we have to get behind it and get behind each other as women. And it's so, it's so difficult when like, I want to support all my friends and whatever they want to do. And all the women that are going after things that are already put in front of us that are difficult to break through. And it's like, what's another thing we're trying to tell them to do is like to not, you know, try to push against things so hard and just to own our own power. But like the messaging goes so deep that it sometimes seems like our physicality is the only thing we do have control over. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we start to feel like 
you know what, F them, I'm going to do what I want. You know, that, that goes into the whole like Cardi B era of like that being the new women empowerment of like, I do what I want. I do what I want with my body. I do like, I make money and like, yes, it's great and powerful and, and shows women that we can own our truth, but like unpacking what that truth is to me is something that I have had a really hard time discussing with people lately. It's like, especially because living in LA and that becomes Mm -hmm. like so, um, on such a pedestal of like rewarding women like that. And I'm, do you feel like, I don't know about you, but do you feel like a dichotomy and like, you're like a push pull in my heart and in my brain between like wanting to allow women to just do whatever they want and be like so empowered to, to just get after life or like to really unlearn the shit that's been told to us about ourselves and our lack of power or lack of control in this world and like own the real power about us and like that's gonna take a lot of effort and time oh absolutely and it's I've had that same sort of internal internal battle and dialogue yeah Yeah, that conflict going on and I know we talked about this when we spoke before um this idea of like really going all natural and like learning to find the right boundaries when it (laughs) comes to external beauty no, yeah. no hair dye, no nails, no Exactly, because no then you start nothing. to look at all those things, yeah. like, oh, yeah. why do I do any of this? And mm-hmm. I do think that there is, there is a balance. I think that, you know, it is one thing to want to take care of yourself and to feel like you're, you know, like grooming yourself well and like that just right. contributes to your self-confidence. And I think that there's a place and time for that for sure. But then I think the line gets drawn when you know, it comes to going under the knife. Like when you're, when you're cutting your body open right, to make a permanent change to the way that you look because you can't accept the way that you are right now and you think that it's hindering you and your quality of life, like you can't be happy, you can't be successful right. because of it. I think that's where the line gets drawn, but I still have that inner conflict for sure. Like, okay, well, we are so much more than what we look like and appearance Mm -hmm. really is the very least important thing about us. So yeah. How do we justify like wanting to get our hair done? And, and, but that's a two, for me, that's a two part conversation. So you have on one side, us understanding that plastic surgery is a huge undertaking, but now because of modern medicine, it's pervasive in the messaging of, it's an easy thing. It's, yeah, it's become normalized. It's the safest surgery. It's like, yeah. you know, in and out in a couple hours. Like there's this messaging going around that it's just like, if you have the money, it's easy. So right. it's like, what will happen in 10 years as medicine keeps getting and technology keeps getting better and better, those surgeries will become even more and more normalized if we don't make the shift now, right? So like 10 years ago, they probably would thought like, oh my God, a, a tummy, like you're taking out layers of pounds of skin and just taking it off and sewing you up and creating a new body and putting fat in places like unheard of right but now it's normalized so it's like these changes will keep happening um quicker and quicker as technology speeds up and and they won't they'll be so normalized and so desensitized that it won't be like you said where it seems like a big deal to permanently alter yourself because that's not even a thought for some people. So on the other hand, what I think is really needing to happen is to understand 
the why in which we alter. And that's the only control we have in this conversation and in the, Mm -hmm. the movement, if you will, and why I'm doing the work I do outside of even breast implant illness. Cause I take that illness word away from it. It's the idea of like, why was the messaging so ingrained in my brain that at like 10, 11, 12 years old, I was thinking of ways I could change myself to accept my body, just to live in my skin. Mm -hmm. Like I thought of all these different ways I could change this and change that. And I, I looked in magazines and obviously this is way before the internet. And I was just like, enthralled by who I, who I could become, not who Tamara could evolve into, who I could make myself into to accept. And I know that comes from my traumas and my sexual assault. And like, that is stuff I've had to unpack. But like, if if we're not even able to have those kind of conversations about what causes a woman to feel that way, then, then we've failed women in a, in a whole and silence them. And that's why women are silenced is because if we can get them to not talk about those things, then this will just keep happening. It will be so normal to change ourselves and, um, alter ourselves to be something quote unquote greater than who we are. Because I think the world and, and unfortunately men, and they're not to blame, but this is what has happened is like the conditioning in their minds too, is like, I think people are deathly afraid to have women who truly embody loving themselves as they are because industries will crumble. Mm-hmm. They'll crumble. Oh, yeah. And 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 I'm a product of it. I mean, I have worked in the beauty industry for 15 plus years. And even though it started as a necessity because I suffered from skin ailments and thus I had to work, oh, I got a job in a tanning salon because I needed to be in the UVB beds for my psoriasis. And it was obviously a cheap way to do it. Working there, I could tan for free. And that just steamrolled into me learning how to spray tan. And then I started my own spray tanning business. And that's what I've been doing for 15 years. And so I'm deeply embedded into it. And I um, I'm appreciative for the life it has allotted me and the ability to, and I'm going to say this right now and I'm going to shove a sock in my mouth, make women feel beautiful about themselves because that's what I have told myself, right? Is like, I watch these women get spray tanned and then feel like a completely different woman. They feel like a goddess, right? But in my mind, I'm like, but they're accepting themselves as they are. Okay. Maybe a little bit tanner and a little bit more airbrushed looking, but it's them looking at themselves in the mirror naked and being so proud of themselves for sometimes the first times in their lives. And it like, it makes me emotional because I'm like, I've gotten to do that for the last 15 years and why I haven't stopped doing that. Even once being on social media and being able to, um, have other monetary incomes, I I can't step away from it because like, that's the pull is I love watching women blossom into who they are. And, and owning themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think where my push pull is in my heart is also like, am I a pervaser of this? Like, have I been, I know I have imparted a lot of the insecurities that are out there because of this persona that I built up and I take full responsibility for, the, for, for that online and why I'm making this huge shift, um, in conversation and, and will be visually on my page. Is that like, I know people will know me as 
the bodybuilder or the fitness model. And I get it. I can't ask them to change that view overnight, but all I can do is like use this platform now to be like, I'm awakened to this now. I've seen how this has affected me and how my self-esteem was completely biased to my physicality. And now learning like my true nature as a woman and my power and my, the magic around being that is so much greater than my physicality, but I still have days. (laughs) I still have like, this is the part of the journey that really like, it excites me and it freaks me out some days where I'm like, I've had to pretend like I've had it all together for all these years so that people wouldn't see me as weak so that I could be that voice of like empowerment for women. And now I'm deciding to shed all that and be like, it doesn't make me weak, but I cry. I look at myself in the mirror sometimes and I'm like, who is this person? Like, but those, and I get choked up because like, those are the moments that I know are breaking me into the person I meant to be. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's years of unlearning. I'm learning that these breasts that I have now don't make me feminine or, or unfeminine. And they don't make me less beautiful because they're not voluptuous and they don't stick out further than my upper ribs do. <laughs> like, it's just all these things I have literally told myself. I mean, I look back and I feel so sad for the young girl I was who just wanted to change yeah. everything. I wanted a nose job. I thought my eyes were too small. I, my forehead was too big. My hair was too curly. My belly button was not an any enough. I hated my inner thought, like my skin, my stretch. I, you, if you named every insecurity, like I probably checked every one of them. Cause I was like, I'm going to be the most insecure. Like if I'm going to be something, <laughs> I'll be the most of it. And like, I had, I look back and I'm like, I, if I would have had maybe a stronger support system around me. That's why I talk to women about like, if they have young daughters or daughters and they're going through this process, how important it is to communicate with them about what they're feeling and like to be open that like, I'm thinking about getting them out. I'm really scared. Like see how these girls actually empower their moms to be like, mom, I just want you to be healthy. Like we need you. We need you to be you. And like, and you, you are not equated to your breast size. And like, these young girls actually see that. And so there needs to be a conversation. There's too much secrecy. There's too much, like my mom didn't talk to me about anything. All I knew was that she was highly insecure, that she had come from traumas of her own, but had not talked about them. My mom and I led a very secluded life together where it was just trauma and layered upon layer. And we were very aggressive towards each other and just a lot of time in solitude. And I think if if there had been more conversation, maybe I wouldn't have, maybe it would have opened up about my traumas. Maybe I would have um, felt comfortable speaking about these insecurities. And she could have told me like, you know, I have those too. And just the lack of um, aloneness and like the, I don't like using the words me too, because now it's become this whole thing, but like there is empowerment and, and, just so much power and love in saying like, I have those issues too. If I had just heard those things from my mom or somebody close to me, like maybe my whole life would have been different, but now I'm here, I'm doing this work and Mm -hmm. I want to like reparent and unlearn those things for myself so that if I ever have a daughter or if friends of mine's daughters and we can have these conversations is like, that's how we change the next generations is being able to 
have these conversations and have them learn to love other parts of themselves because as soon as they start to really love their brains and their spirit and their intuition and know that those are superpowers, what opens up to them in their lives is like amazing, unforeseen awesomeness. Oh yeah. And I know we talked briefly about this, but like that is the exact mission of my nonprofit organization Be yes, More because exactly. like we need to raise a generation of young girls and women like that. That is, that's the future. And I feel and, like it's our duty almost, you know, like, yes, we as humans living this human experience in a, um, in a world that is run by <sighs> commerce and democracy and like yes we have to make money and things take money to run and to do but like ultimately like I'm finding out that there is so much more joy and fulfillment beyond succeeding quote-unquote succeeding in those realms that like women have felt like they needed to to one-up men or to prove our worth but really our superpowers are in empowering generations of women to see like that we are actually ruled by something like far greater than, than drive and ambition and all those things right. that have become the whole like boss babe movement, which I'm not downplaying, but like our real powers are in our ability to connect, to love, to nurture, to, em em to embody this like sense of um, I can do anything you know, and that has been really stifled with us uh, and especially like our parents' generation. So like it's opening up with us and now it can be like, I, I see it, I foresee it as this huge new movement and hopefully like not even movement, hopefully just a, a giant shift in the way everyone sees our capabilities. Cause like what a shame, you know, that we've been reduced to our physicality. What a shame. Yeah, and I think that, you know, obviously you and I can attest to this, but getting breast implants and then going through the removal process and all of the lessons that that brings up, I think <laughs> yeah. is the biggest catalyst for mm -hmm. unlearning all those things we were taught about our physicality being the most yes. important thing about us. But yeah, what if we could just raise a generation of girls to never have believed that in the first place? Mm -hmm. And yeah, like we can easily sit here and be like, oh, what if, and I wish I didn't, and I wish I would have known this. And Trust but me, I had my our moments, learning still have my moments. Power. Yes, yes. And I think like it's why like I keep finding new ways of communicating this because and that's and that's why I'm going through this process is the Tamra before explant, like I know who she is, but I I don't feel that same connection to her because Yeah. I'm I worry I worry that had I not gotten sick, I don't know if it would have ever led me down this path. So I'm yeah. insanely grateful that it has and like that I get to walk this walk and show other women that it's possible. I mean, on a daily, I'm sure you get this. Like I get women being like, because of you, I got, I'm four days after my explant and like feeling amazing or because of your story, it led me to go get them. And I'm like, there is, on days when like the shit seems dark and it seems like I'm not getting anywhere with it. Like I just have to take a moment to remember like yeah. just one woman, just one maybe 43 year old mom who has been sick for years and gets her life back. And like, what a treat because the, tr the 
trickle effect and the ripple effect that happens when one woman takes control of her life, like for a community, then the community spreads, like it's immense. And, and I need to not be so hard on myself on days that seem like two steps forward, three steps back, you know, (laughs) Um, because it can feel that way, especially in, I think for us, like the world we're in on, in not just social media, but in like the business sphere of like really wanting to achieve things, but also understanding that even if it touches one, like you have zero idea what that effect is going to have and to just be open and be trusting that the universe is guiding that message wherever it needs to go. And like, that's why I agree to do stuff like this. Cause look, like even in saying this, I'm like, God, Tamara, like keep that in your mind when you're having a day when it seems like all I can do is cry because I'm also mm-hmm. deeply emotional after this surgery. Like it opened up like the wells of my soul. <laughs> oh yeah. I the, that, I this surgery brings but... up so much and it, it continues to <laughs> continues, unfold and yeah. peel back layers over the months and years that follow for sure. Yeah. I try to tell women like it's not an overnight nope (laughs) and you know maybe our physical health comes back quickly which is obviously the goal and it's the amazing part about this surgery is you can find healing so rapidly I mean for me it was like if I had asked God to give me a sign that these weren't for me and you don't get them before surgery like it couldn't have been more clear that I woke up from surgery a hundred percent cleared of all my symptoms and not a day's gone by when I've had one so seven months, almost eight months now that that has been the case. So I don't doubt it now. It's more so like everything else that has come up with it. I try to just tell women like brace yourselves for the most like amazing <laughs> journey after it, because whatever has been pushed down is coming up. And oh yeah. Come up fast. <laughs> Whether you want it to or not. Whether you freaking want it to or not. And I just try to be there to like be a sounding board or if it's something I don't know, guide them in the right direction. Therapy has been incredible for me, spiritual healing with some spiritual healers. I don't know the last time we spoke, had I just done plant medicine ceremony? You were just about to. (laughs) Okay. So that blew the lid off like (laughs) so much. And then what we talked about today before we got on um, was that I'm going to go do a, um, tribal sweat ceremony with like a chief, um, a native American chief. And it's like all these things, old Tamara would have never been open to because I was so fearful of digging deep. And I don't even think I could because energetically these things were on top of my most important chakras. Yeah. Things I didn't even have an awareness of. And now that I, am so open to it. And I'm very, like, very open to energies. I mean, a week, two weeks after plant medicine ceremony, I was like feeling everybody. And I had to like be a hermit and be like, okay, let me regroup and figure out how I can do this life thing now that I'm so open. But it's such a beautiful uh, pathway to our truest, highest self that I never want to go back, you know, even on days that I'm like, literally can't get the waterworks to stop. And I'm like, these aren't even my tears. Where are these coming from? <laughs> like on those days, I'm like, I wouldn't change it. Like, I, yeah. I love feeling things. I love not being numb to the world and not putting this barrier up between me and like really allowing for true connection. Yeah. And this shit hurts and it sucks sometimes, but it's like, 
this is the power that we have been pushing down and not wanting to own and instead using our physicality to own our power. And it's like, I'm still trying to find that balance. And coming from the bodybuilding world, I don't know how you've been able to. You're, I think, three years past where I'm at. Like, when did you do your explant? Um, yeah, 20, uh, beginning of 2017. So it's been about two and a half years. Okay. So I don't know for you, like, have you started to find a balance between wanting to kind of get back into that world for the joy of it or for how it feels? Or did you totally like turn your back on it, I guess? Yeah. I mean, initially I did. I totally turned my back right, on right. the body. Well, I wouldn't say. I don't say like competing. Yeah. Like, you know, like the gym life. or The like, gym life. Yeah. I, I kind of, there was so much entangled there for me that like training in that style, even if I knew I was never going to compete again, because that right. was like a firm decision. Um, once I decided, you know, like, what have I done? I want to get these implants out. Yeah. Like, why did I let this industry kind mm. of persuade me into making this decision that wasn't right for me? Mm. I knew I wasn't going to compete again, but I still was sort of attached to the training. Ugh, um, yeah. yeah. And then and then I just kind of got to this point where I let it go entirely and f put my focus back on my um, yoga practice. I had mm -hmm. practiced yoga since I was about 13 years old. And I, Oh, that's amazing. I didn't know you yeah, did it for that long. Yeah, it has, it's been such big, a big part of my life, but I, um, I don't want to say I let it go. I just wasn't really as immersed in my practice while I was bodybuilding. So mm -hmm. I returned to that and let go of, of training in the gym. And um, I'd say that was probably about a year and a half before I started to like revisit it and feel good about it um, because I did miss the empowering feeling that strength training gives me. Um, right. And now, yeah, I've got a much more, much more uh, natural balance, I'd say. Okay. Because um, I think I'm right in the thick of that and that's something yeah. like I wanted to really talk with you about because I, I still struggle with this idea of who Tamara is as the lifter, as the, even the yeah. power lifter and the strength that comes with that. But then I'm like, where is that really coming from? Is it coming from the attention or accolade yep. or positive affirmation that I get or reaffirmation that I get from people when I'm able to do something strong or change my body in that way? Because that's where I originally stemmed my strength from or my, yep. my empowerment from. And it's, it is a little scary to say, I'm going to let that go. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean for me as a, as a woman and as a woman who's made my self into this protective being based off of my muscularity? Cause we still have an yep. entire industry, which is a large industry, the quote unquote health and fitness that is really geared towards building strong bodies. And that imaging is around muscularity and um, all these things that I was a big proponent of. And it feels a little incongruent now. And it scares me. It scares me that that is like something I'm going to maybe turn away from. And I don't yeah. want to be fearful of it. I want to be like, this might be the next like phase of my life and whoever wants to come with me on it can come with me on it. But like, I think it's being more, giving myself more grace and more freedom yeah. to be like, that might be the next phase and that's okay. That people will be like, what happened to you, Tamara? You're getting soft. Like all these things people started to say to me, even when I was very sick and they didn't know why I wasn't lifting anymore and why my body had become very like skinny and not, um, 
super, super toned. Cause I was like a huge proponent of getting big. Like that was mm-hmm. my thing, like just bigger and fatter. And you know, that was how I protected myself. And now like this idea that maybe I'm just going to incorporate movement and strength training occasionally, if I feel like it yep. is I'm getting more and more like, okay with it. Um, but that's like the next thing that I'm really trying to um, reprocess for myself. And I hope people will come along in the journey and I can't expect them to, if that's how they've known me and love me and don't want to be a part of that. And that's okay. It's just my journey is taking me there. And yeah, yeah. that's part of this whole thing, you know? Yeah. And it is scary and it is emotional and you're absolutely right. That grace for yourself is key in the process because at least for me, I had to step away from it and and give it up long enough to really check my intentions Mm -hmm. and to say Mm -hmm. like, okay, when I'm choosing to do this, am I choosing it because I know it will change the way that I look or am I choosing Mm -hmm. it because it will feel good? And that had to become like my guiding light. Because I think a lot of the times in bodybuilding or when people choose to strength train, it's because of the messaging that I've been a seller of. It's Mm -hmm. how do you want to build your body? Well, don't do plastic surgery. You can build your body by you know, weightlifting, that's how you can lift the glutes, that's how you can build the hamstrings, that's how the butt lifts, like, but in all these messaging, again, it's like, why is it not okay that my butt has fallen an inch and is a little jiggly here? Right. Like, I hated that, right? I was like, I'd look at myself and be like, oh my God, lose the mirrors, get rid of all of them. Like, yeah, there's this messaging that like, if you're not constantly working on your body, there's something right. wrong with you. Like you right. always have to be focusing on some goal, whether it's growing your glutes or like, you know, tightening right. your waist or whatever it is. If you're not doing that, then like you're wrong and you're bad and you're failing. It's why all these challenges, like really, I never could get behind them because I was like, God, we're teaching people to like lose all this weight or change themselves in such a rapid manner for an award and a reward. And it's like not teaching them the real, like sustainable health and yeah, Yeah. really discovering what makes them feel good intrinsically and Mm -hmm. not just because of what they look like. But I think that's a whole like, this whole industry has been on such a rise with social media in health and fitness. And I think it's hilarious that like health and fitness are two words that have this like really big difference between them, um, or at least how we've made them out to be now. And that's going to be the biggest like unlearning and unraveling. And like a lot of people will not want to hear it. A lot of people will not grasp the concepts of how they're different and how they differentiate from like the physical side, the spiritual side, the emotional side, like, yeah, and you can I, only lead a horse to water, right? Like right. if, if I hadn't done this surgery, I don't know how, if I would have gotten to that point. So it's like, you can only put out the information, hope to God that they get to it some way. And then in their own time, they'll start unpacking their own life and understanding how they've been a, an influence in that, in that regard. But like, it has to come down to like us who have become awake to it to just be willing to be vulnerable and share it because I think a lot of the times like this is my you know permission to myself right now is like go out there and just heal myself and talk about my journey and like whoever gets it will get it I can't be like such a feel like a failure because the whole 
world hasn't understood this shift, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, like you said, they will get it in their own time. Yeah. Um, So something obviously we've been talking a lot about, which it makes me so happy because I think it's the more important conversation, which is um, taking a look at these uh, pervasive societal and cultural norms that, that drive women to get plastic surgery in the first place, which is, I think, one of the main reasons why women should be explanting or considering explanting or at right. least considering their relationship with their body, with plastic surgery, with their breast right. in general. But the reason that more and more women are explanting is because of breast implant illness, which I know it's such a hard thing for me right now. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we shouldn't have foreign objects in our body that are making right. us. So yes, it's great that women are getting that information. So really quickly, I would love for you to just kind of touch on some of the symptoms you experienced um, when you were leading up to getting your implants removed. Yeah. So I think, first of all, like that whole idea of, and we talked about in the very beginning of this um, interview is like naming something like society had to name this to, mm-hmm. to give it weight. And I get it. And I think it's amazing that it has a name and that we can attribute it to the reason why women are explanting. But I think what will happen and what I hope women like us like start to do is to, to get the conversation going about taking the implants out because it is the necessary growth to your existence, not just because we are dying slow or faster death because of it and our health is declining. So, you know, once I heard the name, it allowed me to research it. So kudos to that. That is what is what I, why I'm here. So I think it needs to stay right now, but like, I want women to know when I tell them, like, my implants were not leaked, ruptured, or torn, or had holes, or anything. So in all medical standards, they were fine, fine, and I wouldn't have needed to get them out. Um, Now, my symptoms were directly because I had something foreign in my body, and I already had an overactive immune system, so because now granted medically they can't prove anything, but my own studies for years have driven me to the, to the result that because I had an autoimmune dysfunction, I was already out of whack. You then put something foreign in your body and everything's going to go haywire. So it took a little bit of time. Look in retrospect, probably around year three was when I started getting pervasive symptoms that would not let up. But, um, I, the, the biggest ones for me were that I had chronic pneumonia, sinus infection, and bronchitis for like months on end. So tons of antibiotics weren't helping, penicillin shots to the butt, like anything and everything. I think I'd built up a tolerance to um, antibiotics that was so high, nothing was working. And then the outlier symptoms were severe numbness in my hands and feet, my tendons and muscles and ligaments felt like they were going to snap, like doing anything. I was, felt like I was 80 years old, probably older than 80. My 80 year old grandma is kicking butt. Like she was doing better <laughs> than I was at one point. Um, I had uh, memory loss that was, I would get brain scans like every three months because I thought I was growing a brain tumor because 
being a highly analytic and intellectual person and also linguistically, I felt like I was at the top of my game. Um, communicatively, uh, I could not carry a conversation to save my life. I stopped remembering like things I had eaten in the morning, people's names I had known for years, mid-conversation, just looking at the person and being like, what were we just saying? Like, it was freaking me out. And those were not things that anyone in the past would have ever attributed to something foreign being in your body. Like, that would be maybe like heavy metal poisoning, you know? And and now we know, like, the implants do give off um, microscopic silicone particles into the bloodstream. And no one right now, the studies aren't being done unless it's an independent study to know what the effects of just even small trace amounts of silicone poisoning can do, which is now it's really, really bad, actually. And um, I had the textured implants, which are even worse because they slough off that top layer and it goes all into the lymph and the bloodstream and carry around the whole body. So you're affected in a multitude of ways. And obviously, you know, websites like mine was biiaware.com. There's breastimplantillnessawareness.com, I believe. they all have like a 60 plus symptom list that if you have like, I think it's half or more or even like 20 or more, you most likely have the illness. And the thing about it is like, it's unfortunate we have to self-diagnose, but if you have any of those majority of the time, the implants are either causing it to be worse. Like you already had some of them because of the pollutants in our air and our food and our lifestyle and environment but the implants are doing you zero justice. And that's what I tell women. It's like, Oh my, I'm fine. I feel fine. That's all well and dandy, but like any little thing that gets into your body, whether it's environmentally based or it's stress or it's, um, by the foods we're consuming, like the implants will just make it that much harder for your body to fight anything off. So it's not, if you're going to get sick with something, it's just when you're going to develop it. And that's not a threat. It's literally just the science behind it. And that's what I want women to know is like, you can get in front of this and you can decide to take your health and your sanity and your life into your own hands and, and decide that you want to be in control of it. If like, you can't fight the system and you can't fight you know, we can't eat perfectly. We can't live in a perfectly environmentally sound area, but like we can give our bodies a fighting chance Mm -hmm. and like having the implants in there, whether they're silicone, saline, textured, non-textured, doesn't matter. Like you are making it so hard for your body to fight off anything. Yep. And so now you are seven months post uh, explant Mm -hmm. and you are still a hundred percent symptom free. Yes. Like it is a miracle. I just got sick for the first time in since surgery, like two weeks ago with a cold. And I thought I was dying. <laughs> it's oh, happening no. again. Oh my God. It, was, it lasted oh, no. like three days and it was just like a common cold, but yeah, but you of course were like triggered. Yeah. yeah. So triggered. I was like, it's all happening again. I should have never done yeah. it. Like, Okay. So yes, we get sick, but then I healed it naturally. Didn't need medicine, you know, like Mm -hmm. did my juices and my cleanse. I was straight. Like, and that just let me know, wow, like a cold in the past would have taken me out for a month. (laughs) So it's just, it, those little moments where I go, A, I'm human. B, we have control. Like when you don't have a foreign entity in your body, you can now decide like, I want to heal naturally, or I want to get into the sunlight, let the vitamin D heal me. Like 
mm-hmm. things will actually your, let your body function the way it's meant to function. Like we throw that right out the window when we put those things in our body. Yeah, we do. It interrupts all of our body's natural systems and functioning and yeah. And of course contributes to all these like emotional and and (laughs) spiritual issues as well that we've been talking about. There's, there's so many layers there. And again, this is why I'm so grateful that you're sharing your story because it's so important that women hear that it's not just as simple as getting implants in and like, oh, you're going to love the way you look. Like there's so many more layers and implications that getting implants or or any foreign object or plastic surgery have Mm -hmm. on your body. And it's so important that these things continue to be discussed. It's not just the physical, it's the mental, it's emotional, it's the spiritual. Yeah, look at the end of the day, what are we telling ourselves when we go under the knife or alter our bodies? The plain and simple truth is we're not I don't good love myself the way I am and I'm not mm-hmm. good enough. So yep. if we can unpack that statement right there and get to the heart of like why we feel that way, I think that will start to really like turn the tables and shift the needle into like more yep. of a, a real true love for oneself and like that's the ultimate goal, you know, and that's what I'm working on and I'll be doing that for the rest of my life, but it doesn't seem like a chore anymore. It seems like I welcome it with open arms and I'm just like ready to get everyone else on board with it too, you know? Yep. Right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we do this. And that's why I'm so grateful you're doing this and that you found me like the power of social media is so great. And that like, hopefully we continue a friendship through this because that's what it's all about for me. A hundred percent. I know. I'm so (laughs) so glad that we connected and I think we will be doing many more things together. Yes. I mean, and I would love like, here. I feel like we could talk for I know. An hour. <laughs> and off, off interview, like I want to definitely learn more about your, um, your nonprofit and like, see how we can work together. Cause this is what this work is really about. Yeah, just, I'm really proud. So love for it. people listening who want to hear, um, more about your story or just see more yeah. about the things that you're up to, where can they find you? Okay, so across like all social media, it's just Tamara Day, T-A-M-R-A-D-A-E. And then my YouTube is where I posted the video. It's a little graphic, but it does let women know like the before and after and during surgery that you do experience because I really want them to know like the real side of it and that it's not pretty, but that you get through it. And and um, I will be doing more on YouTube regarding life after explant and really digging deep. And that's content I'm working on now. Um, yep. And yeah, like I'm in my DMs answering everything. And if I can't answer you, like I'll guide you to where I learned the information from. And I'm just, I just want to be a source of like community and friendship and know a safe place for them to know, like we're all in this process together. Mm, thank you so much. Yeah. I thank think you, that- Megan. Everybody listening, definitely go follow Tamara. She has some amazing stuff to share and is just such a special, special soul. And thank you for, (laughs) thank you you for answering everybody's questions. That's so, so generous of you. Of course. I I hope that I I did you proud and like just excited about where we're taking all this. So thank you for doing this work. Absolutely. And thank you everyone for listening in today. If you know somebody who would benefit from hearing this episode, I highly encourage you to share this episode and the whole breast explant series on the Well Then podcast with them so that more women can get access to these stories. Um, And again, 
please rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you enjoyed it. And as always, until next time, have a happy and healthy day. Thank you.